Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, God's game plan. The thought behind that is, well, probably you're a lot like me. You have, uh, I've actually grown kind of weary of all the Super Bowl stuff. I mean, I love football, but it gets too much. Uh, for the last two weeks, that is all that has been on the news. That's all that's been talked about. And, and so much hinges on a, a game that, that men play. And, um, you know, it'll be nice and refreshing. Today at the, at the Super Bowl, they began at 5.30 this morning and have gone nonstop uh, just interviewing anybody I guess they can find to talk about the game. And a uh, lot of attention is given to sports over done probably by many people, but I want to begin where we are tonight. Um, you, you can't escape the fact that there's a game going on in our society, in our culture, and uh, what I want to do is to take that and just start there, use that as a starting point tonight, and talk about some things that I think will challenge us to be uh, better Christians, to walk closer to God. Sports and religion you know, I had somebody say one time, you should never talk about sports. Well, I'd have to cut some pages out of the Bible if I took that at face value. You do know the Bible speaks, God used sports in a number of passages to illustrate spiritual truths, just like he did farming illustrations and uh, fishing illustrations and kingdom illustrations all those, those illustrations that he used were to teach lessons, truths that uh, we could kind of get a hold of. And tonight I want to do that. I want us to just, first of all, look at some of the passages that, that mention sporting events in the Bible. First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, the passage that was just read, we read of uh, the idea, the concept of running a race and how that you have to compete in that race and the winner receives a crown and, and no doubt that has reference to uh, the Olympics and and uh, how that that all took place. We can read in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26, the illustration. He changes from boxing and uses another illustration, that or uh, from racing to, to boxing in 1 Corinthians 9. You don't just flail away at the air. You you time your punches. You, you save your energy, and, and you don't just f- flail aimlessly. That's the way we should live our Christian life. We should give diligence and, and direction to the, the work that we do. In First Samuel, uh, when David and, and uh, Jonathan had a, a meeting, Jonathan said, David, I'll let you know whether you can, it's safe to stay or if you need to, to run. And here's how I'll do it. I'm going to be shooting some bow and arrows and I'm going to set up some targets out in a field. And uh, so apparently, he, uh, this is archery. You know, he was in the habit of, or at least he had practiced, shooting arrows. And he would have guys come and get them. But he would shoot at targets. And uh, that was a sign to David whether to flee or so forth. But, but the idea of uh, just recreationally shooting at a target, that was something that, that was done in Bible times. You can uh, look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, and the mention is made of wrestling. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, as was the case with some folks, but the wrestling was with principalities and powers in heavenly places. And then again in uh, 
1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 25, the, the idea of the Olympics is mentioned in that context. So there are, there, there are more, but those are just some uh, to let you know that there is reference to, to sports in the Bible. Not that they consume our attention or should. There are many more important things than these. But there are spiritual lessons to be gleaned from sports. They teach us truths about God and our, about our relationship to Him. And so I'd like for us to look at about four or five points tonight, and then the lesson will be yours. And uh, here's the first lesson I learned, and it comes from the Bible, and it has to do with sports. And it's this, that if you compete in sports, you have to play by the rules. You can't do your own thing. There are rules that you have to live by. And, and 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says that. If anyone competes in athletics, Paul said, he must compete by the rules. A couple of years ago, it, well, it's more than a couple of years ago. It was two Olympics ago. We had a, uh, an Olympic athlete from the United States. We don't really excel in um, shooting, rifle, uh, but this guy was good. And he was, he was so good that on his last shot, all he had to do to win the gold medal was just hit the target. He didn't have to hit a bullseye. He just had to hit the target, and he would win the gold medal. And so he got his aim and took a deep breath, shot his rifle, hit the bullseye. Then they put up the scores, the, the, the first place, second place, third place, the medal winners. His name wasn't on the board. And there was confusion. People couldn't understand why would his name not be on the board. All he had to do was just hit the target, and he hit a bullseye. Why was he not? You know what he did? You see, they had a lot of shooting lanes, and about 50 yards down a lane was his target, but he had gotten in the wrong target. He had looked through his scope, and he had just lined up a target that was not actually his shooting lane. It was the target over. He hit a bullseye on the wrong target, and he was disqualified. He didn't even place. He was the best shooter at the event. And he didn't even take home a medal because he didn't compete according to the rules. You have to follow the rules or you pay a penalty. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying here. You know, if you're going to give yourself to uh, sports, you have to follow the rules. Just uh, about a year ago, there was a young girl in California in a high school track team. They were competing for state championships. They were playing or, or competing against a rival uh, school, and um, she had to make a, a certain long jump, which she succeeded in doing, that would have given her team the, the state championship. The coach on the opposing team filed a petition to the rules or to the, those that were there that were managing the event and said she needs to be disqualified. You see, the rules said that you can have no jewelry of any kind while you're competing. Have you ever seen those little friendship string bracelets that girls sometimes weave and, and they wear? She had one of those friendship bracelets that a friend had given her. She had that on her wrist. She broke the rules. 
and they disqualified her, and her team lost the state championship. Now, you may not think a whole lot of that opposing coach who turned her in and, and caused all that. It seems like it misses the spirit of the, the competition, but there was a rule in place. She violated it and was thus disqualified. Listen, God gives us rules. Now, Christianity isn't just a set of rules, but there are rules within Christianity, and we have to follow those rules, and we cannot expect to be saved and to receive the reward and to be crowned as a victor if we don't do what he says. We can't do our own thing and expect to win. So if we're going to be a part of God's team and and his game plan would include guys, you have to play by the rules. And he's given those rules. He's revealed himself to us. We need to compete according to the rules. Point number one. Point number two is that we need to be properly equipped. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the the allusion is made to... Do you ever wear... If you have ever run or trained or something, you might use ankle weights. They, they kind of it's it's sand in a bag that you put on your ankles and it velcros together or something or straps together. And when you run, it's like it adds ten extra pounds to you. Your legs feel so heavy, and the idea is that it strengthens you. And then you take those weights off when it comes race time. And you feel light and strong and and much faster. Well, the Hebrew writer says, all right, we've got a race that we're going to run. Now, now that we're going to run this race, lay aside every weight of sin that hinders us. We need to run free of the weights that would slow us down. You don't play. You might practice with ankle weights. You don't play with ankle weights. You don't run the race with them. We need to free ourselves of that. That's the wrong equipment. In Hebrews or in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18, there's that passage. We sing a song about the whole panoply of God, how we need to put on the whole panoply of God. The idea of putting on the whole armor of God is discussed in that section. And you can imagine what an advantage a person had if they would arm themselves with the armor that was described there. You know, here are these guys. In the days of this, this old warfare where just guys just ran at each other in this hand-to-hand combat, can you imagine what an advantage it gave an army when they decided to get those long spears and here comes the opposing army, and they lay those long spears out. And before you can get to that, it's like shish kebabs. You know, you, these guys would just line up on these spears. What an advantage that defense had. And then chain mail and to be able to, you know, take blows from the enemy or an arrow from the enemy, and it wouldn't penetrate because you had this armor on and a shield Those defenses equip them to be victorious. Just as you need to have the right equipment in sports, you wouldn't go out and play football without a helmet. You wouldn't go try to play basketball in flip-flops. You you wouldn't, um, well, you can just go down the list. There, There are certain pieces of equipment that help in various sporting events. And God says... With reference to the Christian life, you need to arm yourself. You need to have the 
you need to be properly equipped. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the gospel of peace. Um, and he goes from head to toe in Ephesians 6. We need to be properly equipped. A third thing that we need is that we need to listen to the coach. Jesus once asked the question in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. He said, why, why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I tell you? If I'm Lord, if I'm your master, you've got to listen to me. And if you're not listening to me, then I'm really not your Lord. A few years ago, there was a football, high school football game, again, for the state championship. It was in um, Mississippi. Uh, one of the teams that was competing, I remember, was Tishomingo County. Um, and they were playing another team. All they had to do is snap the ball, and they would win. They had a four-point lead. No, a th- a six-point lead, and all they had to do, no, excuse me, they had a two-point lead. All they had to do, there was just enough time to run one more play. All they had to do, they were on the 40-yard line, snap the ball, the quarterback takes a knee, they win the game. That's all they had to do to win the game. Coach calls a timeout, calls a quarterback over, gives him instruction, quarterback goes back out, And when they snapped the ball to him, he took off and ran the wrong way as fast as he could. Ran all the way into the opponent's end zone, which is a safety. Gives the other team two points. With no time on the clock, he just tied the game when he could have won the game. You can imagine how the people in the stands threw a fit They thought that coach had lost his mind. No one could understand why he would instruct that quarterback to run the wrong direction, score two points for the other team, tie the game with no time left. Has he lost his mind? What the coach knew that nobody else knew is that due to a point system, they didn't have to just win the game. They had to win the game by six points in order to advance. He thought his best chances, well, he could throw a long pass and hope they catch it in the end zone. Or they could try to kick some long 50-yard field goal in high school, which isn't very likely. Or he could tie the game up and take his chances in overtime. And that's what he did. And he won the game, and they advanced to the state championship because of his, his calling. But nobody understood it. But it really wasn't their place to understand. It was their place to follow the instructions of the coach, listen to the coach. I don't understand why God has some of the things that he says for us to do. I don't understand. I, I see some, some reasons why we need to be immersed in water. I, I can see some symbolism, uh, a reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But why we have to do that why it's in that action that God applies the blood of Jesus to our life. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. There are things that God... I don't know why we have to take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week and why the elements have to be what they are. I, you know, I have things that I can understand that make sense, but 
to get right down to it, I don't really fully comprehend that. I don't fully comprehend the the substitutional atonement of Jesus on the cross, paying the price for my sins. I don't really understand why it took that and not something else. Why that in the scheme of things to satisfy God? I don't comprehend all that. I believe it, but I don't comprehend it. And so I get to a point where as a child of God, I need to listen. Uh, Even if I don't understand, I need to listen and to obey. If I were one of those ancient Israelites and God sent those serpents in and they were being bitten and people were dying and, and God then instructed Moses to raise up this brazen serpent and to look at it, and if you looked at this serpent, you would be saved. Why? Why do I have to leave my tent and go down the way and have somebody maybe even carry me down the road to, to get to this place where I could look at that serpent. What, why? I don't know why. That's just the way God said it. And that's what he wanted done. And I don't have to understand why. But I do have to obey if I wanted to be saved from the, that, that snake bite. We need to listen to the coach. Give your ear to God. Listen to what he instructs and follow his instruction. Here's another thing I learned from sports. You have to break from the huddle. I have never heard of a team that was complimented on their huddle. That's one of the best huddling teams that I've ever seen. Man, they make one of the most perfect circles. They are good huddlers. Never have I heard that. You know, that's not where the game's won. I, that, that, not to say that huddling isn't important. You discuss the play. You discuss various things about the play, the count, and so forth. But that's not where the game's won. The game's won in the execution. The game's won in the implementation of what you discussed in the huddle. And I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians that are good huddlers, but they're not very good implementers. We can sit back and we talk about great plans and and we can, man, we can dream some dreams. We can have some great things, some thoughts that just, wow, wouldn't that be something? That's all well and good. But if we don't take it out of the huddle and implement it, we've wasted our time. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, He said, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We need to will to do it, but then we need to follow through and do it. It's not just the planning. It is the implementation that makes us successful. And as a child of God, there are great things. I I encourage the huddle. We need more huddles. We need more plans for the work of the church. It's too important not to plan for. But we can't go home feeling satisfied because we had a good huddle. We need to implement the things that that we dream about and plan for. We have to break from the huddle. And then here's the last point. We need to celebrate our victories. The Bible says in Psalm 126 and verse 5, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Tonight, 
at the end of this ball game, there are going to be guys that are so overwhelmed with joy because they have worked and they have sweated and they have suffered many pains and made many sacrifices to get where they are. And when they win the victory, they will be so overjoyed. That's what we need to do in church. Listen, it's not easy being a Christian. There are things that God calls us to do that are difficult. It's sacrifice. It's self-denial. It's hard work. And, and we might put a lot of hard work and hours and sweat and, and tears and blood into the work of the church. But someday, that, that pain and that sorrow, that sacrifice will be turned to joy. Someday we'll be victorious. Someday what people look at us today and they think we're crazy, they think we're, we're wasting our time, they think we're delusional, they think we're uh, ignoring present concerns for some pie in the sky, some reward someday that they don't even think is real. Someday we'll be vindicated. And all those people who think we're wasting our time on, on illusions, someday they'll see us rejoice with our Heavenly Father. Now, there are a lot of sporting illustrations. I understand why God used some of the ones that he used, and here are several tonight that we, we look at um, that make the point, that help us to grow closer to God and to be the kind of people that we need to be. There's more to life than sports, but sports helps us to learn some very important lessons about our relationship to God. We need to be committed to Him, be involved, properly equipped. We need to play by the rules. We need to listen. We need to implement what we plan. And then someday, all the hard work will be over and we can take a sigh and rejoice that it is finished. And we have received the crown of life. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, obey the gospel. God has graciously offered you salvation from your sin and from the consequences of your sin. If you haven't yet been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, that's part of his rules. Acts 2.38. Why don't you obey that tonight? Do what he said. He's, he's the Lord. He's the coach. And if he said do it, we need to do it. He did say, do it. If you haven't done it, do it tonight. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need to make your life right, you want to be closer to him, rededicate yourself to the cause so that someday you can have joy. We'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.